0: So, the theme of my talk today is anger. When I talked with Sylvia about possible themes to give talks on, I gave her a few. I said, well, I've been exploring anger a lot, and she said, anger. (laughs) (laughs) And so, what I'd like to do is to really explore how we understand anger and how we work with it in our practice and in the various settings of our lives. Can everyone hear me okay? Okay. In the various settings of our lives, so not just in our formal practice, but also in our interpersonal relationships, in our work environments, and the groups we're part of, and, and even the larger institutions and society. So, I want to begin just by inviting you to do a kind of imaginative exercise. I'd like you to, you might want to close your eyes, but I'd like you to bring to mind an experience in which you were unskillful with anger. This can stay entirely private, so, (laughs) whatever unskillful means to you. So bring that experience to mind, feel the contours, the concrete details of the situation. See if you can review what that was like. could be your own anger or the anger of others. Secondly, I'd like to invite you to bring to your awareness an experience in which you were with anger, either your own or that of others, in a way that felt uh, skillful or more skillful. And as I talk, it may, if it's helpful, you may have those experiences as reference points for your own reflections on on what's brought up. So, I want to begin, or not begin, but continue, I should say, I want to continue by giving a few quotations, all by Buddhists, about anger. And you might think about which tradition this might come from, or some of you may even recognize a given person. I want to give a few of these. (coughs) And I'm going to give a hint that they're not, they don't agree on anger. Okay. So here they are. Anger can be compared to a snake, the poisonous cobra. We should not welcome it into our small house. Without contemplation, we cannot know the real danger of anger. So we need to meditate on anger to know its danger. Then we need to develop mindfulness. Mindfulness helps us to maintain all aspects of the mind so we can close the door of our house to protect it. So anger will not master the mind. On the other hand, when anger becomes the master, the body is burning because the mind is burning. That is why the world is crying today. It is burning from anger. So we need to get rid of this anger, let go of this anger. Meditation and contemplation can help us to do this. That's um, that's from a contemporary Thai monk, not not well known, named Chon Pangchang, who who's um who sometimes comes to this country. Second second uh, reading. Once you have anger, Buddhists say it is like a fire. The nature of fire is burning. So your anger first burns yourself. You burn inside, and then your body burns with shaking, and your speech burns with anger. But anger not only burns you, it burns your friends, and relatives, and then your town and country. When the fire catches our society, we even have wars that burn uncontrollably. This fire cannot be controlled superficially by social laws. It must be extinguished individually by extinguishing its cause in selfish attitudes, in egotistical points of view. Ignorance is the most powerful source of all evils, including anger. That is the Buddhist teaching. That's from... Uh, a Sri Lankan monk, named, named Pandit the A third, a third reading. As I do not become angry with great sources of suffering such as jaundice, why be angry with animate creatures? They too are provoked by conditions. Hence, everything is governed by other factors which in turn are governed by other factors. In this way, nothing governs itself. Having understood this, I should not become angry with phenomena that are like apparitions. Even if I cannot develop compassion for all such people who through the arisal of disturbing conception set out to try to kill me and so forth, the last thing I should do is become angry with them. That's from the text by Shantideva from the 8th century, the text called The Guide to the Bodhisattva's Way of Life. It's one of the favorite texts of the Dalai Lama, expressing a Mahayana view about about the emptiness of anger. Another one. You can think of holding anger like a mother holding a baby. Just as the anger is inside of us, so is the loving-kindness of a mother. Every time the energy of anger is there, we should invite the energy of loving-kindness to be there to take care of the anger. You may recognize that voice. It's Thich Nhat Hanh. A little different take on anger. Right? A little different approach. Another one. We can find gold in the judgment and anger we have. For within them is the valuing of justice and integrity. When we work with anger, it can be changed into valuable medicine. Transformed, our anger and judgment give us clarity to see what is skillful, what needs to be done, what limits need to be set. They are the seeds of discriminating wisdom and a knowing of order and harmony. Jack Cornfield. <laughs> a little bit different than some of the others, right? Two more. The energy of our anger can can be transformed into positive and skillful action for others. The anger transforms into compassion. The energy of anger is completely pure. So if we can give up the dualistic quality, that energy becomes compassion, which can then benefit others. Anger then has a positive outcome. It's a Tibetan teacher named uh, who teaches at Naropa, named Judith Simmer Brown. Last one. Confronting my rage, witnessing the way it moved me to grow and change, I understand. I understood intimately that it had the potential not only to destroy but also to construct. Then and now I understand rage to be a necessary aspect of resistance struggle. Rage can act as a catalyst inspiring courageous action. My rage intensifies because I am not a victim. It burns in my psyche with an intensity that creates clarity. It is a constructive, healing rage. Some of you may recognize that voice. It's the voice of... Um, Del Hook, who's an African-American writer, also a Buddhist. So my question is, how do we explore anger? How do we hold anger so that we can see that each of those quotations, each of those voices, as a part of the truth. They seem on the surface to be very, very different. How can we see anger as sometimes, like the first authors or the first speakers, as simply unwholesome and destructive? As empty, based on conditions? as an experience that we can approach with mindfulness. And lastly, how we can see anger as energy that carries elements of clarity and justice and integrity. And how we might work with anger in a transformative way. How do we hold those together? Or do we? Anger is actually very, very confusing to many of us. I talked with Gil Fronsdale, who teaches here at Spirit Rock, about anger. He said that of all the questions that he gets as as a meditation teacher, he gets the most questions about anger. More questions than he gets about enlightenment, relationships, samadhi, and sex, (laughs) anger. Anger gets the most questions, but that's not hard to see why, given those quotations I read. Those Putting all those quotations together in one's mind could be very, very confusing. And I'm, I'm going to explore that confusion just in a moment, because it's very, very confusing, the whole theme of anger, for many of us. Not everyone, but for many of us, for myself it has been. So I want to talk a little bit personally about my own relationship to anger, then talk about some of the confusions about anger, and, and then, um, finish the talk with talking about how to work with anger. So that's, that's how I want to approach this, this today. So, for myself, um, anger has been a kind of doorway to a lot of um, learning, it and I see it that way. It, it's a very mysterious uh, topic. I think in our culture, you know, uh, the the twentieth um, century, the great twentieth-century Jewish um, theologian and activist, Abraham Joshua Heschel. Who walked with King at Selma? He wrote in this uh, very, very powerful book uh, called *The Prophets*, which is about the Jewish prophets who certainly used anger. He, he wrote a chapter called *The Mystery and Meaning of Wrath*, seeing is this very mysterious quality that can both destroy and transform. And I think I think I'm giving this talk in part because there's still for me a lot of a lot of anger to explore and i think i'm giving this talk to help me both um explore some more and report on where i have explored and i think in part my for, for me like like many of you anger becomes something important to investigate because i have to confess i was brought up to be nice Maybe some of you were also brought up to be nice. You know, I was brought up essentially with unfamiliarity about the expression of anger and conflict. And I think probably made some, almost some uh, ancient agreement to be nice and not bring up the anger that came through or the conflict and be a nice and good boy. You know, and and it certainly stays with you. We, that's been part of one's early background. As, as we know, that stays with us. And so, for myself, exploring anger and exploring how it also comes into our sense of who we are in spiritual practice. Where we often, if we're conditioned to be nice, well... Being a meditator is very attractive because we can sort of find a way that our niceness translates into being calm and mellow and together, and we may still be terrified of anger and conflict and preserve a kind of spiritual self-image of being a person that doesn't really get angry. And if we get angry, we certainly don't express it. And I think that this is, from from my own, looking into myself, and looking into talking with friends about their own experience, I think this is a deep tendency for many of us, not all of us, but for many of us, to have anger and, and also conflict become kind of shadow area that we don't fully include in our spiritual practice. And so for myself, exploring that more has been really important and not always easy. So exploring it in meditation practice and also very much in uh, friendships and intimate relationships um, where it's a little harder to hide out and not be angry, right? Now. <laughs> it's a little harder. <laughs> but it's possible. <laughs> um, and also in, in work situations or in the context of groups and organizations. There seems to be something about anger that for myself carries a kind of vitality and energy, I think along with other kinds of energies, like the energy of conflict and sexuality, that carries something that has a lot of vitality and energy that seems important. And I found this uh, line from a poem by the African-American poet Claude McKay. He said, he, he talked about anger as being what he called a kind of dark passion that gave, that that nonetheless had something to teach. He said, my being would be a skeleton, a shell, if this dark passion did not forever feed me vital blood. An interesting way to look at that. So, that's some of where I start from in, in exploring this. So, and yet, it's a, very, it's a very confusing area. So I want to talk about, very briefly, about why we're confused about anger. And I was thinking in giving this talk of subtitling it, Why Western Buddhists are confused about anger. Because, I, again, just trying to put together those quotations could be very confusing. And I want to give um, four reasons. One of them is that our culture is very confused about anger. When we look to the kind of the cultural resources that we have, you find totally different views about anger. In fact, it's been said that anger is the emotion that there's the most disagreement and confusion about. You know, you don't have the same level of confusion about love, for example. And so you can find, if you look to something like psychotherapy, you can find people who say, it's very important to express your anger and to have kind of a cathartic expression. Let it out, right? You also find the opposite. You find people say, it's really important to kind of work it out within. Don't let it out. You find in religious traditions completely opposite views. You find in the Christian tradition, uh, anger is listed as one of the seven deadly sins. And yet you also find in someone like, in, in many of the theologians, the view that anger is an appropriate response to injustice. Both of those are together. It's very, very confusing. Some people think that anger is necessarily linked with aggression and hatred and therefore that anger should be avoided. Other people want to separate them. Very confusing. What is anger? I think as people practicing insight meditation from the Theravada tradition there's a second source of confusion in that we get, I think, from that tradition primarily negative views about anger that anger is essentially a form of aversion that is simply unwholesome and you can find that in some of the texts that it's simply something that um, one should really contain and work on and avoid the expression of. And yet, what do we do if we're practicing insight meditation and we're also drawing from some of these other sources? If we're working with psychotherapeutic practices as someone like Jack does, where there are very different views about anger, how do you put them all together? It's very confusing. A third source of confusion that, that I have found in, in looking at this is that to me it's not clear that anger means the same thing in the ancient Buddhist text as it does in our culture. That there are cultural connotations to anger which are different, it seems to me. And so the translations of the text get very problematic. You know, when the Dalai Lama was asked about this, he said that there's often, in the Tibetan language, not a clear distinction between anger and hatred. And so we may be reading text where a better translation would be hatred, and it's translated as anger. Whereas in our culture, that distinction is really important. That we can say that a mother could be angry at a child, but we wouldn't say that a mother hates the child. And so, that's a source of confusion. A fourth source of confusion, if we didn't, you know, if we didn't already have enough, is that, is, is related to that, that quality of niceness that I was mentioning, that we often are brought up to be
1: <coughs>
0: afraid of conflict, to be nice, to be not willing to express anger in public or with others that that that's a that's a scary area for us and so many of us have also had that conditioning so you add all these together and it's difficult it's confusing and I think we should have just acknowledge that and see and see how it appears in our experience so given that it's confusing for us for many of us how do we work with anger I think what I really want to to do more than anything else is invite uh, the kind of inquiry that I was talking about last time. Invite us to really look for ourselves. That's the spirit of this practice. To really look for ourselves and work with anger and really make it an area of inquiry and investigation. And really look deeply at how anger is destructive and unwholesome at times. And also potentially how it might be a source of um, of power and clarity. So I want to give a few guidelines that I have found useful for working with anger. But before doing that, I want to talk about two retreat experiences that I've had, which were very helpful for me in in working with anger. The first occurred about ten years ago, and I was I was on about a nine day retreat, and I was angry. Almost the whole retreat, you know, not just a little bit, but like 15, 16 hours a day. Angry. I mean, you might not, looking at me, think that I could be angry for, for that long, but I was, you know, I really was. I'm being honest. And, you know, the for me, the, the actually the content of the anger was coming out of a it was coming out of having just moved to this area and having lived in. Kentucky and rural Ohio for a long time and kind of been away from the scene here from the, from the insight meditation scene and having done some teaching and a lot of exploration and really thinking that we needed to make this practice come alive in this culture. You know, if you want to make it come alive in the culture, go to Kentucky and rural Ohio. <laughs> you know. And that was really like my my edge, my what I was had passion about. And I came here and I went to the retreats and I was feeling the retreats are treating us like we're monks and nuns in Asia. Mm. You know? And, and there was anger. I felt some anger there. And I said, haven't they learned over the years to make it work for us in our culture? And there was some judgment and anger. And I, and I, and I, um, talked to Jack. I was working with Jack at that point. And he said, well, you know, actually, I agree with a lot of what you're saying. But you have a choice here. You can either go home, or you can stay here and be with your anger. And if you do, I want to use a particular method. So we use the method that's used in the uh, Burmese tradition of noting, and then actually at the end of every sitting and walking, writing notes on what happened during the sitting and walking, in practice which is done in, in a lot of the Burmese traditions. And so I did that. I did that for a week. You know. And then at the end of the time, I produced a flow chart of my anger. <laughs> you know, with all these branching, you know, branching stems, and, and it was I, was, I was proud of it. You know, <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was fascinating what I found. And I wanted just to report some of what I found, you know, and then, and then talk about working with anger. One thing I found is that there's not just one form of anger. There are a number of different forms of anger that that's, you know, I think I'm inviting you to your own inquiry, so I don't want to say too much, but I want to just say a few things that, that you might really investigate yourself. One is that I found that there were very different forms of anger, it's not just one. I found that there was like 10 year old, totally reactive anger, I'm not getting what I want, blah, 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 totally reactive. I think this is the kind of anger that's seen as unwholesome and potentially destructive when we do it as adults. Just totally the kind of anger that that is totally reactive uh, based based on frustration and a kind of lashing out. I also found anger, when I went deeper into the anger and hung out with it, I would find sometimes that the anger would shift. Like when we were talking about judgment last week. When I would be with the anger, I would find that it would shift, and that it would sometimes shift to sadness. And the sadness might be, the content might be, oh, I have, I think I have a lot to say, and my voice isn't being heard. And there would there'd be a kind of loneliness and sadness connected with, with the content of that anger. And I would hang out with the sadness. And sometimes the sadness would itself shift, and it would sometimes shift to love and caring. I really care about this community. I really, and I could I be in touch with that, and I could feel that there was a certain caring energy that was behind the, the um, that was connected with the anger, and that only that inquiry really disclosed that. Otherwise, I would stay more on the surface, and doing the practice permitted that deepening and in going into the going into the anger, and so I found an, a kind of anger that really was connected with caring. And, and even with love. And, and that when I would go to the level of a love, it would transform into compassion. And permit me to maybe act more skillfully. I also found that sometimes the anger became a kind of Old Testament prophetic, cosmically true, righteous wrath. <laughs> Have you ever experienced that? <laughs> and it was, it was kind of the voice of saying, these people better shape up. <laughs> they better, you know, we know the truth here and it's time for them to shape up and if they don't, they'll be smashed. <laughs> or something like that. You know, that was the, 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 it was, it was a, it was a different voice. It was a different kind of anger that was, I said, whoa, what's that? Cause it was, it didn't feel that personal. You know, and it didn't occur all that, all that much, but it was, it was something. I, I thought it was kind of prophetic wrath, and you know, someone else may say, well, it's more like the first kind, but it felt to me that way. It felt to me like, like something different, a different quality. And, and so, you know, when one does something like that, anger is never the same. You know, it's still difficult and hard to work with, but it's really never the same after something like that. And I wanted to relate one other retreat experience, which was the one I talked about last time, about judgment, about this this practice of being with judgment when it comes up and hanging out with it. And and this practice that I did during the two-month retreat last uh, winter, of every time the anger would, or every time the judgment would come up, I would just be with it. And I would also summon, at the end of every sitting, I would ask, "Where has been the judgment in the last hour, or even during the last day?" And I would bring it to mind and be with it for 10 or 15 minutes. And I would also both try to be mindful and also see where it went and feel what it was like in the heart. And that's where doing that over and over again—you know, first during the two-month retreat and then afterwards—you know, where I would do that 10 or 15 minutes, you know, 10 or 15 times a day over two months was like a crash course in judgment, right, so to speak. And it was, again, very similar findings that the, that the judgments were often a kind of a mask. That there was something that was deeper, that was calling out to be found. And also that when I would go into the judgments and really be with them, this this is what we were talking about earlier, that the, that that the energy of the judgments would radically shift and there was much more an energy of compassion. You know, it's this quality that the anger or the judgment, when it's actually gone into deeply, transforms. That's that's been my experience, and that it transforms. And it, if there's that caring and love connected with it, it transforms into. It could transform into the sadness or some kind of um, could be a sense of betrayal or, or whatever the angers or judgments connected with. But it seems to it seems to transform. I also found that in going deeply into the judgment, and I think the same is true for anger, I could preserve the intelligence connected with the anger judgment. Which I think is really important. Sometimes we just say, Oh, I want to get rid of my judgment. But I think what I'm suggesting is that often the anger and the judgment carries insight and intelligence. And if we simply get rid of it and say, oh. I've just gotten rid of my judgment. We may be giving away intelligence. And I think that's the transformative way to work with it, that the, that the intelligence is still there. We, we may say, I do need to act. I need to act on this. But it, the action can come more out of that compassion and lack of reactivity. And I, I actually found, as I did this practice afterwards, this is, this is kind of funny, that, and I hung out over and over again with judgment, I developed a soft spot in my heart for judgmental people, (laughs) so that I really, oh, a judgmental person, wonderful, let me be with this person, and and there is, you know, there there may be limits to that, but but I, I did find myself feeling that, oh, I know what that's about, I know that there's, can be integrity connected with that, it's not just being obnoxious, it's there's there's something that's wanting to come through that, and I I actually would would have this excitement to be with someone who is really judgmental, and um, that to to have that happening when I think one has to keep doing this practice because I I've, I've noticed I haven't kept to the practice as much I've switched to other practices and I'm not as eager to be with judgmental people lately, but it's it's really it's really um, possible because it's basically we you know the territory and we're not scared. Right? It's the same thing for anger and judgment. We know the territory. We're not scared. We can be in the presence of that, of those qualities. So, given some of what I've just said, which to me is, is really, um, responding to the confusion, which is more on a mental level, by inquiry and exploration. That's really, that's really what I'm suggesting. Responding to the confusion by really looking deeply for ourselves. And so, what are some guidelines for working with anger, and some of them have already come out in, in talking about my own experience. And I think that these guidelines, I thought of several guidelines, and I think they're actually relevant for our own individual meditation practice, but they're also, the same guidelines are really relevant for working with anger in interpersonal context, and in group and organizational context, and even in a social context. That I think the same principles really apply. Of course, it's harder to do it when there's more, when there are more people and it's more complex. But I think when you listen to these guidelines, think about how they might work in all the different settings of your life. And I'll, I'll just briefly touch on them, on these different settings. The first, the first guideline that I found useful looking at my experience and is, is, is that of developing an adequate container to be with the anger. And we do that in the meditation practice. That container is developed by having clear intentions. That my intention is that in being with this anger, in mindfulness, my intention is to listen, to understand, to go more deeply. And it's not to get rid of my anger. It's not to manipulate my anger. My intention is to really go deep, more deeply into this. Part of the container also may be the necessity of suspending action for a while. But if I'm really feeling angry, and this is especially true in interpersonal context, it may be wise not to act out of one's reactive anger. And so that container that may give the safety to explore individually or, or, or uh, interpersonally may require that we say, while I'm being reactive, I'm not gonna act. I'm suspending action until I feel myself no longer reactive. And it may also be helpful to build that that container that gives us the way of inquiring with some with some safety. We may also need the help and facilitation of others, and this is especially true in groups or organizations or society. We may need some people who can help us to explore this very difficult territory. So first, that development of a container of, of sort of uh, ways that keep us safe. And, and the basic idea here is that, and this is kind of a learning theory, is that we learn best where we're actually not totally comfortable, but safe enough to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. It's that theory that we learn not in our comfort zone, but actually in our discomfort zone. And that is very hard to learn in our danger zone or our panic zone. And so what that container does is it makes it possible for us to hang out in our discomfort zone. And that's what meditation is about. And that's why when I was responding to you about the body, it's to find your edge where if you're totally uncomfortable for 40 minutes, you're just going to want to leave. So how do you find a place where you can be comfortable with your discomfort? The second guideline is to, be, is to cultivate mindfulness. Mindfulness in relationship to our anger. To see what it's like in the body. To see what it's like in the mind. To name that there's anger going on. To be aware that it's there. Thich Nhat Hanh, in his work with suggesting guidelines for, for um, being with anger in a mindful w- way, He talks about recognition and acceptance, saying, yes, there's anger here, and I'm not going to deny it. That naming, recognizing, and accepting quality, that yes, it's here, it's present, and it's also um, possible to actually inquire and go into it. Thich Nhat Hanh talks about this as embracing anger. That, That quote about the mother being able to be with the anger and hold it. Hold it with warmth and, and, and even like as if it wasn't, was a mother with a baby. The third guideline for being with anger is to then, when there's that container and when there's mindfulness, to go deeper, to go deeper with the anger, to see where it leads, to be with the anger in the area of the heart, to hang out with it and be, be willing to be present with it, and let it change, let it go through permutations. And this isn't very easy. This is why we need that mindfulness, and we need the the clear intentions, and we need the what I was calling the container. And it's not very easy interpersonally, or in a group, or in a social setting. So how do we go deeper with the anger? Because the notion is that it's the going deeper which can potentially Let us see more clearly where the anger is coming from, what the very nature of anger is, and see if there are some of these roots of anger in a quest for justice or integrity or or, or that caring. And that only comes from looking looking deeply. Now I'll just close by saying that I think that those basic guidelines can really work not just in a meditation session, but in interpersonal and group settings. And I just want to mention a few people who've tried to do this. A number of people have tried to really bring the spirit of this working in a mindful way with anger and conflict into interpersonal communication, into conflict resolution, and even into working with organizations, I think I think those guidelines are completely the ones to follow. You know, for example, um, some of you may know Dan Klerman and Moody Tanisker. It's Wes's former uh, former wife. They they've developed communication workshops where, in interpersonal communication, one learns to work with a, a lot of difficult energies, but among them anger. And they do something that's very similar. To what's done by someone else who, who I've learned from, named Marshall Rosenberg, who's developed workshops in what he calls nonviolent communication. The essence of these is actually taking a radical responsibility for one's own experience. It's that quality of not suppressing the anger, but being with the anger in the first person. So instead of blaming someone, you say, I'm really feel angry about this. And Marshall Rosenberg actually has uh, actually a whole method and a formula with, in which one, one which is really based in clear communication so that when one's angry instead of just laughing out or blaming or judging, one would try to do something like this. He says he, he urges this form you know, which is a little bit formal but it's, it really has intelligence. It goes something like this When you did this when you did that, I felt so and so. I felt angry because It was, I was feeling very upset that what something that uh, was important for me wasn't happening. And then I want, I really want that to happen. It's a way of communication about anger in which one takes responsibility for experience and doesn't put the other person on the defensive. And I think that's the core of interpreting this in these more complex contexts. And I think. You know, for, for some of you, for some of us, it really, really may be part of our work to see what these mean, these guidelines for working with anger mean in the context of family, in the context of intimate relationships, and even in a larger context. I was thinking about, uh, you know, some of you may have done um, group work, like, like work that's done around diversity issues, in which you have to be, you develop a group that can hold anger, That can be mindful with other people's anger because there has to be anger about injustice. Anger about centuries of injustice. Think of the anger connected with racism. How does that come out in a social setting? How do we avoid those extremes of either suppressing or acting out? Because by and large, if you think, if I think about organizations I've been part of or the society, we don't know how to do it very well. And we tend to either suppress or to act out. and we How do we find that middle way of working in a transformative way with anger? You know, one of the inspirations for me has been the Truth and Reconciliation Commission of South Africa, which is really trying to do this in the context of years of anger in relation to apartheid. And they I think if you look at what they do, you'll see all those guidelines that I mentioned in relation to anger. You'll see the development of the container, the ability to be mindful and listen to people's anger mm-hmm. as well as other things and the ability to go deeper into the sources and how do you do that in these larger ways I think it's a real it's a real for many of you it may be something that's really calls you to, to do that and, you know in your work how do you do that in an organization you know the, the, organ, the main organization that I work with I have to say this is confidential but but uh, you know it's, it's, it's a um, graduate school and we don't do very well with this. Anger gets suppressed. We don't have very good vehicles for bringing anger that occurs in the context of organization and conflicts to the surface in a way that we can listen and transform. And I think we're just, I think, as people and as a society and as organizations, we're just really um, yearning for that. So I'll stop here. I talked a little bit longer than I intended to, but there was, it, it's, um, it's, it's a powerful area. So let me stop here and invite you to, mostly to inquire yourself, and let me know what you find. Uh, but also to, if you have comments or questions, right now we have some time for for that. Yeah. Yeah, um, one of I'm
1: the Yeah, and um, I'm, um, well, I'm not sure if I'm just Yeah, or not. Yeah, Yeah. Right, yeah. Um, and yet, um, I find that are more of that, I more kind of a, um, a little more you know, about mind and, and, this and, this and that, the 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 Yeah. Yeah. Before, yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> thank, thank you. Um, yeah, you know, it can get complicated looking at how we're confused, <laughs> but I think the invitation is really to do exactly what you were suggesting, it's really to look. I don't think it's so complicated just to be present with our anger and see what it's about and see where it goes. That's, a, I think, a simple practice. It's a difficult practice. And maybe not to, not to think so much about it, not to think so much what I'm hearing from you, not to think so much about the origins. Not, You know, if we're, if we're analyzing it too much, then, then to let go. And what I'm hearing is that that has really uh, been valuable for you just to, in a very simple way, just to be with the anger when it arises. And to be careful with, from analyzing too much, perhaps about the origins, or about your conditioning, or, you know, should I be angry about this or not? I think it's really to be to be with it. And what I found most helpful, again, even though I can be complicated in talking about all the different views in Western culture, the invitation here is not necessarily to think about that very much. It's really to go as deeply into the anger as we can and my own experience is that it's that being with it over and over again and going as deeply as we can that the ability to be to be uh, wiser and to know how to act more out of compassion can surface and so I think if there is that if there is confusion it may be and and there's reactivity around some issue that in, in, in one's anger then it may be good to suspend that not to act on that Does that get at it? Okay. Okay. Well,
1: you'll
0: you'll find that out. You may not find that out in your deep practice, in in the retreats. You'll find that out in your relationships with your friends. Yeah, because they'll then you'll know more. You'll know whether I'm actually just trying to avoid the anger. You'll see more clearly where your motivation is.
2: Yeah, thank you.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Did everyone hear that?
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, it's really um, a statement of what you found, and, and referring to. Jack Kornfield's comment that anger is often a second feeling, very much like when I was saying, well, the anger shifts and it discloses, uh, different emotions and that it's often, or, or, or very often, uh, has to do with hurt or fear. And I think that's, that's often true, but I would really invite you to find that out for yourself. <coughs> not to take that on faith. And, and also to see, are there different forms of anger? Because some of them, some of them may really carry that. I think some anger carries the energy of love and justice. And that may not reduce the fear, you know, or hurt. It may, there may be something that's, that's asking to come out there. That may not simply, um, uh, be a personal hurt or something. So I think, again, it's really looking at, really looking at the anger and seeing all the differences.
1: Yeah. I so appreciate your investigation, because that gave me some nice guidelines on how to keep in my own investigation, yeah. and that's the thing. Yeah. Um, but what of to me, where I can add a little bit is I often look at the elements, earth, water, air, fire, and space,
2: yeah.
1: and I, you know, in my own inquiry into my body, um, I see where I'm deficient in some of these kinds yeah. of elements. Yeah fire is a wonderful fire that is brought yeah. off because it was anger. And it is a wonderful uh, element to spark creativity in that
2: yeah.
1: and, and for me, in my own inquiry, um, anger is a spark that I really need. Yeah. And it's a really useful thing. Yeah. It's not useful to a out of other people. It's yeah. useful to use it in a way that treats other people. It. But the fire, the anger itself, is really
0: valuable. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, that's where I quoted the poet, uh, Claude McKay, about this, what he, what he called, a, a dark passion. Mm-hmm. You know, that that may carry some energy yeah. that, uh, that needs, to, needs to get communicated. Mm-hmm. That, um, you know, someone that I've learned a lot from about anger, uh, we actually, um, it's, it's actually a, a student of mine named Robert Masters, who lives in Vancouver. And uh, we did a several-year investigation of anger. That that culminated. He wrote a Ph.D. dissertation only on anger. <laughs> Can you imagine that? And we actually, and we did some work together. We put out. A, I'm also have been an editor of the journal Revision. We put out an issue, which I have some here, on intimate relationships and spirituality, and anger is a the main theme in what we did there. And Robert wrote a wrote a piece called "Fire is also light." I think which captures what you're saying. Yeah, that that it. And that um, I think I'll speak for myself that that like you, it's been important to connect with some of that fire. That the way I appropriated meditation was in a way which really emphasized the light and the calm, and I think was a little scared and, uh, and still is to some extent about the fire. And I think many of us may share that, and it's, it's very common.
1: Yeah. I was going to say that as we were talking about this I was thinking about Dr. Martin and King yeah. just because to me in some he was going to emphasize what he was saying because I felt I felt like one of his gifts was the fire of God's passion yeah. but the spirit, the intention of yeah. the feeling. so I was trying to understand how but what he seemed to me also to have was an absolute commitment to God yeah. He wasn't willing to swallow it yeah. so that violence was done to
2: human
1: okay? Yeah. But he also was not willing to unleash his security yeah. and do violence otherwise. So that it seems to me that, that all that fire will start to happen. He found a way to express it with a commitment absolutely for living his in violence or in violence. So it's it,
0: yeah, yeah, coming right after his birthday.
1: Maybe that's
0: part of his Well, you said it very beautifully. I I hope that they picked that up. But it's just just very very beautifully to talk about the. That, that combination and and I think we can learn things from King I think we can learn things from um, sort of the Western prophetic tradition. you know I found these quotations in, in um, from the prophets in this book by Heschel where he, he talks about anger being a moment within a container of love and that and then and the way you were talking about King not shying away from the anger, not suppressing it. But having it come from such a strong foundation in caring for all beings, and the desire for justice, and an absolute commitment not to lash out, it's really to see, again in Buddhist terms, to see the problem not as individual people, but as greed, hatred, and delusion. To see, in Christian terms, it would be to see the problem as the sin and not the sinner. And he, he manifested that. And, and for me, that is very close to this um, transformative approach to anger. that I think, you know, and we don't, we don't know how he did it. You know, I don't know if he talked very much about how he worked with anger. You know, I mean, that would be an interesting question. You know, it just seems to, from his public appearances, it just seems to be there. That combination of, um, uh, like you were saying, this dark passion that was totally contained by love and and very clear intentions. And so I think what, for me, for me, is particularly useful about the mindfulness practice is that it gives us some some concrete tools that work to transform the anger that has to start out as confused and reactive. And that if we hang out with it long enough and name it and, and uh, are mindfully with it and let it go where it goes, and be present, and look more deeply, that it seems to transform into uh, compassion and nonviolence that still is in touch with the intelligence originally behind the anger. That's what I find from my own experience. That is really, um, uh, offers a powerful way to work with it. And so, it's actually a nice way to end with, with uh, a bow to you for your wonderful statement and also to Martin Luther King and to again really invite uh, each of us to, to inquire into the anger and into what's there for us